listen. <laughs> the best Bond theme. The best Bond theme. Live and let die. Is a view to a kill. Oh. Um, Live and let die is overplayed. It is overdone. It would be the best Bond theme if it had not been ruined by Guns N' Roses. Ugh. I just... You always got to remind me that happened. And, uh, I feel like every time I bring up, you bring that up, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Jeez. I know. I know that no song should be judged by its, ter- by its, by its lackluster cover. <laughs> that, what a concept. Um, but, but I feel like it's just one of those songs that it, the, the cover of it and, and who covered it and how they covered it somehow manages to retroactively make the original bad. So then how do you feel about Cameo's word up? Did corn make it better or did it make it worse? I don't know. I've never heard that. You haven't heard Korn's rendition of Cameo's Word Up? No. <sighs> you mean like the Word Up, I tell you, gonna. Na, 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 no, no, no. What's the word? A word up. up, up. It's the soul word. Na, 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 See, I don't, I don't think I even know the original. Word up. Yeah, I don't know it. Okay. It's one of those one hit wonders, you know? Okay. And then Korn decided to do a cover of it for some reason. It was both hilarious and awesome. If you were a Korn fan. Do you remember? We should just start recording. I have, I've been um, recording. <laughs> nice. I, can we, I, maybe we should talk about how we, we each went through a Korn phase. <laughs> it was sort of required because it's like you could either watch Korn on Total Request Live or NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Which you, you liked those other two i did eventually see there's 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 two halves of my high school career the first half was all corn and limp biscuit and then i met matt the second half of my high school career and then it was like oh no backstreet boys and nsync actually it's more like nsync not so much backstreet boys i don't like the backstreet boys i loved nsync though we all know that we we all know that <laughs> it's lord knows i know that <laughs> but Freshman and 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 sophomore year, you know, I I was we all prayed every day that Corn would reach number one on TRL. Freak on a Leash, I think it was the first Corn song to go. Great video. One. Yeah. Also, is that video directed by Todd McFarlane, or is he, or did he just do the cover art? I think he just did the animation. Okay. Right. I know he did. I know he did the. I know he did the the cover of that album. Yeah. And I think he also did. The animation in it, but I can't remember if he directed the video or not. I don't think he directed the video. I think he just did the animation. At least that's it is. It is without. It is one of the greater. It is one of the better music videos. Yeah. Um, and um, how? Let's let's talk about let's talk about follow the leader. Sorry, sorry. Ellipsis. Follow the leader. Um, and how that album starts on the thirteenth track. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's yeah. 13 seconds of silence. Each track, the first 12 tracks are, are just one second silence each or two seconds silence each, or whatever. And, and it's, and then it, it starts on number 13. So if you like didn't want to sit the signs, you had to skip on your car. It's hilarious, man. Like in retrospect, corn was like everything. Nirvana was afraid they were going to make. Like, with they were afraid they were going to inspire. <laughs> like just things like that. Like, oh, we start our first track on the thirteenth track. 
Like that's like sort of Marilyn Manson, you know, showiness. Right. Well, I mean, and then and then um, and then Jonathan Davis, of course, opened a serial killer museum. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I I went to that I went to that period of time too, JP, where um, I, I listened to the Limp Bizkit. Uh, was did not own did not did not have their first album, Three Dollar Bill, y'all did not have that one. Yeah, that's the one with the George Michael cover, right? Um, I think so. I had the second one that was the Monster, the one with um, Starfish. No, 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 no. The one before that. Uh, I don't remember. Because Chocolate Starfish, I hate I hate saying the title. It's still so dirty. Chocolate Starfish and the hot dog flavored water. Do you know that? Do you know that Fred Durst had the gall to compare that album to Pink Floyd's The Wall? <laughs> I could see the similarities. See Although the thing I... <laughs> about the thing about Limp Bizkit is that is that is that Wes Borland is an amazing guitarist. Yeah. And a very profoundly weird dude who really belongs more in like Primus or like Nine Inch Nails or some. Yeah. But then he somehow wound up with Fred Durst. Yeah. And it's like it's actually like Limp Bizkit, like the band around Fred Durst is kind of great. Mm-hmm. And then there's obnoxious Fred Durst <laughs> who 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 believed that he was making something comparable to the wall by pink floyd entitled chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water my impression of him at that age was that he was very like kind of self-aware of what he was doing and and was kind of like because they were olympus was also kind of known for doing like free concerts and stuff on top of like buildings and things like that Mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. like not like in a rage against the machine kind of way, but just like they they were very staunch supporters of like Napster. They were very much into like kind of just like reaching out to their fans, you know. And yeah, I remember seeing like watching behind the scenes footage and stuff like fans come up to him and tell him like all these great things about him, like how much they he means to them, and he would always be like kind of. I don't know if it was like purposefully obtuse, but he'd always be like, but why? Like, I'm not that important. Like, don't think that about me. I thought that was interesting. It's at, that, at that age, seeing someone doing that, because, you know, at that age, nobody was doing that. <laughs> well, I, I, um, by the way, the album was called Significant Other, 1998 okay. Significant Other, that, and that had the monster hits of Nookie, yeah. rearranged, in together now, oh, rearranged and and break stuff. Yeah, break stuff. <laughs> it also has that like that one. Uh, it's all about the he says, she says. Yeah, that's break stuff, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Um. And um. Yeah, I mean, I feel, but I also feel like wasn't Eminem doing that though? What uh, you're talking about? I guess so. I I liked him, and I've never really, I've never. I'm not an in-depth Eminem listener, but one of the things about Eminem that I, I always appreciated is that he, you know, he released his first album and it was huge and it spawned all these guys who were wearing white t-shirts and bleaching their hair platinum blonde and trying to be all like cool like Eminem. And then the next thing he does is his next album, the lead single is, you know, you know, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? And he just 
makes fun of his fans. I, There's I also Stan, right? Awesome. The song Stan. Yeah, and then Stan, which of course has given us a slang term yeah. that I actually just learned about. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, I'd seen it. We Stan, and I and I didn't fully understand where that came from, and so I I did some research, and I was like, wow, it comes from it comes from the Eminem song. Okay. Yeah. With Dido. Yeah. Ooh. And then yeah. that, and then and then Dido's song. The, the song that he samples in that got big. The early 2000s were a weird time, man. It was. Late 90s, early 2000s. Well, you know what? It, I mean. It was magical. It's fascinating to think about because all of that was orchestrated by MTV. Right. Like all of that. MTV had so much control over the industry. They decided right. what we loved. And then they threw it away for reality TV. I know. Let's talk, let's talk about MTV. How about that? <laughs> we've talked. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Um um, a little bit, but I, I do I do love talking about it because I, I love talking about uh, I just I, I miss uh, music videos like yeah. music videos on TV, not just like, oh, anyone can make a music video, and upload it to YouTube. That kind of ruined the fun of a music video, like a curated list of music videos on TV was fun to watch. Well, like I, 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 two memories that I have from MTV in terms of music videos. That was, um, I was watching the Buzzbin once. Do you remember Buzzbin? Buzzbin, no. I think it was Buzzbin. It was like, it was like uh, the show, and it would sometimes show up like in the middle of Saturday afternoon or whatever. But it was, um, it was all like, it was like requested from people, and it was all indie music. Okay. And I can distinctly remember watching it and them mentioning that MXPX's Chick Magnet was going to be on there and just like losing my mind, calling my friend Josh, just completely blow my mind that MXPX had a music video on MTV yeah. and just being so excited to see that. Um, and then the other was I had, um, um, I had, I had purchased um, Blink 182's Enema of the State, um, which of course was a monster album in the late nineties. And um, I was, of course, you know, it got a lot of popularity from the video, um, What's My Age Again? And then I can remember watching, having TRL on in the background when they unveiled um, all the small things mm-hmm. music video and just being like so excited. I was like, ah, like I knew the song before the video. And then I saw the because that was very rare. You know, a lot of times I would because I, you know, I listen to, you know, for the most part, I listen to really obscure <gasps> music. Um that that of course that makes me sound way more hip than I ever really was. It was obscure simply because it was Christian, um, and so like I just you know typically if it was on MTV, I knew it because of the video. Like I didn't mm-hmm. listen to radio and stuff. And then it was you know so occasionally when I would like discover something that MTV would like play, it was cool to like see the video and sort of have like a journey with the song. But yeah, I'm with you. I miss it. I miss it as an art form. Because music videos now, you look at my YouTube, they're okay, but they're not, it's not the same thing. It isn't. And it's, it's, it has a lot to do with like funding and who funds it. I was watching, um, I was over at my cousin's house and we just had like a playlist going on YouTube. It was just sort of randomly going through music videos and, you know, music tracks and stuff. And then um, um, Weezer's Island of the Sun came on. And, um, it occurred to me, like, it's just the band playing with animals. Right. But it's directed by Spike Jones. Yeah. I'm like, that was, like, 
you just you gave the band like millions of dollars and they hired someone like Spike Jones is like I'm just gonna give you animals to pet <laughs> you know like <laughs> I mean Spike Jones got his career started as a music video guy yeah and as like a, a skater yeah video he guy. did skate videos and he did skate videos and music videos and he most famously did a number of really well respected music videos with the Beastie Boys and that's that's where he got his start. And I mean, you think about that, that I mean, with those music videos, you saw some real kind of like art house cinema. Yeah. I mean, you know? just think back of like when David Fincher was directing music videos, you know, like, when right. he did like he did like Nine Inch Nails Closer, which was like, that scared some people. <laughs> but it's like back then, you know, they had an impact, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, it was art house cinema in like these little five minute snippets. Yeah, but you, you do kind of see the decline a little bit as sort of the 2000s progress because David Fincher actually directed – I didn't know this until recently. Uh, but you remember the band uh, Perfect Circle, right? Yes. And their song Judith, which is like – No. A very angry song. Yeah, I, I – that's, that's a genre of rock I, I sometimes refer to as shaved head rock. And it was, <laughs> um, it was common on um, WJRR in Orlando. Yeah. And I didn't listen to JRR in Orlando because they, I, it was, I just couldn't do that kind of rock music, like stained and <laughs> that kind of thing. That's sort of the, it was sort of like parallel to, to do metal, right? Uh, but yeah, well, it, like a perfect circle is like, it's sort of like one of the guys from Tool or something. I don't remember. Right. It's like if you're a Tool fan, you know what kind of music that person listens to, right? Um, I never listened to Tool, but I, I, I learned that. David Fincher directed their music video, Judith, and I watched their video, and it's like, it's nothing special at all. Like, it's really just the band performing in, like, a dingy place. There's no coverage. It's just the band performing. That's it. Yeah. Like, um, uh, compared uh, to, like, you know, Closer Nine Inch Nails, which is, like, this, like, crazy artistic, like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say on the flip side, though, like, the other thing I appreciate about music videos of that of the mid '90s and later is how like, um, okay, Lisa Loeb's stay, that yeah. just her running around and like, like, falling apart like grungy house or whatever. There's like an empty house, right? Like you like walk up and then um, Jules, who will save your soul, she's just like in a bathroom, yeah, like a sub bathroom. Like I just love that. I love that you could do a music video where it was, let's just put a camera in a public bathroom and just film that and that's a music video yeah and then blink 182 kind of made fun of that a little bit right where they there was i think it was a rock show um where the music video for it was just them they they gave them a bunch, like a bunch of money and they just filmed a bunch of random stuff like just yeah. like a home video camera yeah yeah um, it was. They were just like driving around in a van. <laughs> yeah, of course. And they gave us the video that my personal all time favorite music video of all time, which is a video for first date. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> like um, that. And uh, that really kind of set off. That was during that period of time. Remember, like people had like a session with mullets. Yeah, people thought mullets were hilarious. <laughs> like there was even a sitcom called The Mullets. Oh, well, is there? And there was, it was about a bunch of dudes with just mullets and they were just white trash. and. <laughs> It didn't last Man. long. Mullets. <laughs> I think it was. It was like it was like that video plus like, uh, the um, the song by Lit. Um, I am my own worst enemy. Yeah, my own worst enemy. Because they're like in a bowling alley, right? They still had, had that kind of uh-huh. same aesthetic. Like, yeah. 
Well, you know, that was that that was that mid that was that uh, time period there again in into the 90s, early 2000s, where like punk rock, like sort of punk culture was our pop culture. Yeah. You know, Jackass was on TV. Right. And it was just interesting because it wasn't a, it wasn't the punk that was like aggressive. No, it was pop punk, you know? That, it was uh, the punk that was just sort of a little bit obnoxious, but mostly funny and, like, probably needed to take a couple more showers. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to, mostly thanks to Blink-182, right? Kind of due to their popularity. Well, Blink, um, you know, Green and Day. then, of course, Blink. Well, yeah, Green Day. But I'm thinking more like, I think Jackass really had a lot to do with it because Jackass and, um, of course, Bam Margera, which right. his videos – um, what were, do you remember what his videos were called? Was it CKY? Yeah, CKY. Well, that was but that was that was before Jackass, right? CKY. Everyone, yeah. everyone started in CKY. Then it started Jackass, and then Viva La Bam. Right. Which were which CKY was they were they were sold in skate shops. That was right. a skater thing. Like that's the only way you saw them is they were they were sort of like skate videos. Yeah. But you watch them, and they're actually really um, his just sort of like home videos with his friends. <laughs> traveling and skating and stuff and then you know doing all these stupid pranks and then they basically turned that into a show yeah i remember they put a lot of cky videos in the jackass so like cause yeah. like randomly you just see bam margera when he was like 10 years old yeah <laughs> like doing something stupid <laughs> yeah it's just it just it's kind of amazing that that was our pop culture for this like weird window of time for like five years yeah um they got kind of stretched out a little too and you you know, you're kind of in, you're like, this is a little much. <laughs> like, I think I'm outgrowing this pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I ever outgrew it. <laughs> I'd relive um, it in a second. I would. I would. I, you know what? Give me, give me some red, white, and blue uh, wristbands, like sweatbands for my wrist, and like a fitted thrift store t shirt. And some Jinkos. Uh, no, man, you need like some like Levi's like 507s or something, some boot cut, boot cut, low rise boot cut jeans, brother. Oh, yeah, dude. Let's get ourselves a Sony handy cam, put a fisheye lens on that sucker. Totally. Some <laughs> aviator glasses. Yeah, dude. Or Elvis glasses and a friggin' trucker hat. <laughs> I hated trucker hats. Dude, imagine. Ashton Kutcher wore a billion different types of trucker hats on 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 punked and i hated it so much i i i loved i loved uh, i loved um i loved that 70s show when it was on tv but i pretty much didn't like any of the cast outside of that show (laughs) um because like world valderrama was kind of like a slime ball and and ashton kutcher was just super obnoxious but the 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 trucker cat the von dutch trucker hat trend was one of those times where I was like, I was angry when that happened because the first person that I knew who was wearing trucker hats as a fashion statement was Keelan and Keelan and I would frequent thrift stores and we would buy random things because we thought they were funny and we would wear them. And then they would suddenly like about a year or two later would take off in mainstream fashion. And so I felt that sort of like what I know now is that nerd gatekeeper feeling yeah. that was like, I discovered this. I want the credit for it. <laughs> um, and so like, I was just angry. And plus it wasn't actually a trucker hat because it was a fitted hat. It was basically the same kind of fitted hat that you would buy before, but it just had a mesh back to it. 
Yeah. A distinct trucker hat has a high front that's foam right. with the mesh back. And, um, and Von Dutch made them fashionable. Prior to that, they were being given away at like the surf expo, like different like surf and skate companies were giving them away. And that's kind of what got it all started. Um, but, oh, yeah. If, I mean, at that time period, if you had a trucker hat, uh, a, 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 a handlebar mustache <laughs> and a mullet, you were like a god among mortals. Imagine like it's like a bright yellow T-shirt, too. Like maybe a, a ringer tee. A ringer tee. Yeah. Um, and and then everybody else is just like, what is wrong with white people? That's, that's <laughs> there's some Caucasian stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, a denim jacket with patches. Yeah, dude. Those are the days. Yeah, dude. Oh. That was like that was our early college experience. I we need to have like a live show and just dress like that. One day. Yeah. I you do. I bring back the pork chop sideburns. <laughs> remember, I had those pork chop sideburns. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, dude. I I tried it. I I couldn't pull it off like you could. Yeah, I actually when I had long hair and the and those pork chops, that actually that, that was a look. Bring it back. Of, what if you brought it back? What would happen? Would Cannon uh, be upset with you? Not a single person at my church would take me seriously. <laughs> or what if you just had like the like the Kurt Russell, you know, mustache <laughs> like that. <laughs> I mean, my beard right now is kind of kind of out of control. So like I could like kind of start trying to flare it out and just cut it cut it off there and just yeah oh my gosh it'd be so awesome and what if you started the trend again the cowboy priest (laughs) oh what what are we even doing with this episode i don't know i don't know what we're just being nostalgic is this is this good podcasting we're jj abrams Hey, we could talk uh, since we're talking with Star Wars. We could talk about how there isn't a fo- there is a follow up. How you said that you wanted somebody to get you the Colin Trevor House script, yeah, and it's actually out there, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's the the bullet points are on the Star Wars leaks subreddit. Um, the script, I mean, as far as I know, is not online yet. Um, but according to some legit outlets, well, mainly just one AV Club. Uh, according, they have a apparently they have a source that has confirmed that the leaks are real. Um, and I've read them. I don't. I said this in the last episode. I don't like leaks because I don't think they paint a really good picture of what right. of what of context, of the story. Yeah, yeah. And like, and so I, that's why I said like I would much. I want to read the script. <laughs> Give me the script. So I, I read them. I don't really have much to say about them. I don't know if it'd be better or worse than Rise of Skywalker. Um, I like some of the ideas. Like Rose has more screen time, more to do. That title, though. <laughs> yeah, apparently the title was supposed to be Duel of the Fates. That's a ti- that's a good title. Or was it the Duel of Fates? I don't know. The the name of the track that it's, that it's inspired by was Duel of the Fates. Yeah. So. I don't know if it's a temporary thing or if that was supposed to be the title. Even if, if it was real, that's – I think it's kind of cool. Yep. And it, bring, and, it, and it brings things very full circle. Yeah. You know, the 
the Sith are reintroduced in the in in the Phantom Menace and then sort of waning out in this. It would have been a nice, you know. But I'm with that. Uh, I'm with that one film critic that you that you shared with me who said like. I love the last shot of the Skywalker saga and it's the last shot of the last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was funny. There's some things I like. like one thing they address in the leaks is that uh, Ray is apparently they were going to focus on Ray being conflicted on whether or not she should be a Jedi or if the Jedi should end or not. Right. You know, um, or if they should change. And actually, the the same was happening with Ben Solo. Like, he was, there was a flip side to it that whether or not the Sith should exist. So, I mean, that would have been interesting territory to explore, you know? <laughs> it's it's it, it's all kind of new ground, and that would have been preferable, yeah. I think. Um, but hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, well, apparently, there there was supposed to be like at the very end. First of all, Palpatine isn't in isn't in it at all except for like a hologram yeah it's some kind of recording and there was going to be a scene where kylo ren fights darth vader which i don't know how i feel about that uh you'd have to, it would have to be really 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 well directed <laughs> like to, to not seem like you know very much fan service right you know it had to be very organic um what else? There was apparently also supposed to be a scene with Chewie in an X-Wing. Yeah, that would have been kind of cool. Which, yeah, but I don't know how that physically works. That's true. He had, to, he had to get a really big helmet. Oh, he's got a lot of hair. Well, and also, he's just big. He's like, and, the, and the cockpit of an X-Wing is not big. Maybe he's just like hunched over. Like, but I guess if it could fit Porkins, it could fit him. <laughs> hey, now. He <laughs> <laughs> watch what you say about Porkins, sir. Porkins <laughs> is a hero. He is a hero. He gives life for the cause of the rebellion. We have, don't really know what happened, but he said he has a problem, and then it just <laughs> it exploded. It's probably explained like the novelization or something. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, there's some cool things they kind of played with. Uh, uh, I don't know. Apparently, there when she when Ray's having like a fight with Ben toward the end. Luke and Yoda show up to help her. Or they apparently show up to try to like turn him from the dark side and he rejects um I guess so. I don't know how you film that. I, I like I like the idea that he determined one of the things I read is that he determines that what that what caused Vader to fail in his mind as, you know, being a Sith is that Vader had fallen in love. Right. And so the idea that he's rejecting the person he loved in order to one up Vader, that that actually kind of that's that's some rich th thematics right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have robbed us of the one of the best things in Rise of Solo, which is the Ben Solo scene. I mean, the Rise of Skywalker, which is the which is the Ben Solo scenes. Yeah. Which are some I mean, I really like seeing Ben Solo. Yeah, I, I see. I'm 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 still. I hate to. I feel like such a fanboy when I talk like this, but like I, I still would have loved to have just seen him actually be redeemed and like not die, right? Um, and you know, I, I'm maybe maybe it's because of my obsession with Buffy and Angel and their redemption stories. Would have loved to have seen some kind of spinoff with Ben Solo traveling the galaxy, uh, atoning for all of his sins. Yep, that'd be uh, a cool. Hey, there's your next. There's your Disney Plus show right there. Hell yeah, dude. Um, I, I, I would never do it, but. 
make it basically like the Incredible Hulk TV show. He just travels to like, yeah, you he's know? thumbing his way across the galaxy. Um, I'm just trying to figure out like, why am I here? Why do I exist? Yeah, see, that's good. <laughs> um, the uh, um, what was I gonna say? Well, the other thing is, is that because Kana, you know, I mentioned last episode that Kana and I were talking about how we felt that the movie should have involved her healing Palpatine. Yeah. And that that's a better, but we were saying that, you know, as much as we like it and it probably speaks more to our Christianity and what we'd want to see, we're not sure that mainstream audiences would have gone for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, everyone hates the matrix, uh, revolutions the oh, finale. Yeah. And that's basically the ending of that is, coming to terms with mutual peace and understanding and people hate it, which is unfortunate. People hate it because it's actually kind of awesome. It's wonderful. It's great. Yeah, like Cornell West loves it. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a, it, it, that's a, it's a redemptive thing is, you know, it's breaking yeah. the cycle. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it's coming to terms that they should all live in harmony, the machines and the humans and, you know, they find a way to coexist. Yeah. That, you know, violence isn't the answer, but we, you, you can't do that in a, in a, franchise called star wars can we i don't know i mean what's going to end war man learning peaceful coexistence that's what's going to end war yeah it's true i mean it's true but it's like uh, you know how do you look man the book of revelation ends with talking about you know that the 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 kings of the nations bring their glory into the into the heavenly jerusalem and that the the tree of life is for the healing of the nations it's all about that it's all about healing and restoration and that's and that would be perfect for like uh, if you had like an outside force, you know, invading the galaxy and just like ruining everybody, you know, because that happened in the in the extended universe with Yuzhan Vong. <sighs> what I love that you have like borderline encyclopedic knowledge of the old <laughs> expanded universe of the of the legends. Uh, the Legends universe, as they call it now. I always call it the EU. <laughs> the European the... Union? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the New Jedi Order was all about how they had kind of finally obtained peace in the galaxy. The Republic was in control again, and Luke had trained all these Jedi. And then all of a sudden, like this outside force called the Yuzhan Vong come from like the unknown regions. And all of their technology is like organic based like there's no there's no like actual tech and so they're basically these like just like these lizard monsters with like these world ships that are enormous like monsters they fly around in and they can't be detected through the force the force has no effect on them and so they just like destroy the galaxy they're like blowing up planets left and right and it's like pushing all the Jedi to their breaking point. Chewbacca dies for real. He actually dies. Um, a lot of people die. <laughs> it, it was grim. And it was like a, it was like a like a 10, 10 or twenty novel series. Like it lasted a while. Um, but it was cool. Like I, I don't know. I, I would love to see something like that happen. Like it, just kind of go crazy with that. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I think they might. Because I actually heard some things. I wanted to bring this up, Chuck. I don't know okay. if you heard your name. <clears throat> I heard on a on a podcast, a slash from daily podcast, which is pretty good. I recommend it. Uh, someone had heard some rumors about sort of like what the next steps are going to be with the Star Wars franchise, 
And apparently Kathleen Kennedy is uh, very much trying to ditch the uh, trilogy format. Okay. And they want to do something more in line with like what Marvel is doing. Right. Where you kind of give each character sort of their own episode or their own movie and their own sequels. And they sort of intertwine with each other, with each other, like Marvel yeah. does. In the shared universe, yeah. And apparently, it's they, they're looking at, and this take this all with a grain of salt. I don't know if it's all true. I hope it's not. They're looking at setting it like four hundred years in the past or something. Yes, I've heard about this with Young Yoda. Yeah, I don't know if it's Young Yoda or not. I don't know. I, I've heard about that. May I guess it could be because he's yeah. No, that's that's what I've heard. <clears throat> yeah, or read because they want like a clean slate or something. Uh, I don't think that gives them a clean slate, honestly, <laughs> but whatever. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of what they're looking at. And I don't know. I don't – I'd have to see it for myself to actually judge it. But I, on paper, I don't like the idea. Well, and there was – what I've heard is that they're they're talking about the idea that these are, these are like – these are Jedi, like even higher levels of, of their abilities and that they're like borderline superheroes and they each have sort of like their own specialized ability like superhero team. I did hear I just, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean it, depending on how you handle it. I mean I don't know. It's – it's um, – I'm not for it. I – you know, I kind of – I remember when Keelan and I used to talk about the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. And one of the things that he liked about Star Wars, he's always a Star Wars person, not a Star Trek person. The reason he didn't like Star Trek is he said there's just too much of it. Yeah. He's like, Star Wars is three movies. This was, you know, at that time. It's like, what, 98 or whatever. Yeah. Um, 97, 98. He's like, Star Wars is three movies. I mean, I mean, he obviously, you know, wasn't into the extended universe and all that stuff that was going on. Um, but it's like, you know, there's something kind of to be said for that. It was three movies that spawned all of this stuff for people. But ultimately, it was three movies. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I kind of, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of like that, that idea of it just being its, you know, it's just its own thing. It doesn't need to, like, go on in, perpe- in perpetuity. Right. But then again, there's money to be made. And apparently Disney does not have enough money. They never will, Chuck. They never will. Um, you know, but of course, I'm excited about the new Avatar movies. <laughs> um, yeah, we we the, the Avatar uh, era is upon us. It's uh, it's it's an original property, man. Everybody's talking about how uh, Hollywood is just churning out, you know, like remakes and stuff. But hey, look, they're James Cameron, man. He's just gonna make the movies he wants to make. Yeah, he's not he's not beholden to nostalgia. He's not beholden to like what the fans are expecting. He's just like, I'm gonna make my blue people, I'm gonna make my blue people space moon movie. And I'm gonna do whatever I want with it, and you guys are probably gonna really like it because it turns out everything I make is great. I'm excited. I'm excited for you mostly. <laughs> um, I can't wait. To, I mean, this this is like a new era for our, our podcast. Even what's how's it gonna affect our podcast? Are we gonna become an avatar podcast? What if it's what if it's terrible though? <laughs> what if it's like James Cameron's first like major misstep? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Like you, you know, Star Wars speculation is one thing. It used to be sort of the backbone of all movie news and industry news. Now Avatar speculation is going to be a thing, and I just don't know what to expect at all. 
Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is again, it's not a – well, what's going to be interesting to watch with that is now that Disney owns it, yeah. is Bob Iger going to try to insert himself and like Disney committee people into what James Cameron is doing? Because you know as well as I know, that ain't how James Cameron flies. No, no, not at all. It will not be pretty for anyone. He has, he is a famously fickle and delay, you know, delay prone director who's going to do things his own way. Yeah, he moved his he moved Titanic to Mexico because of that. Right. <laughs> um he would just as soon just stop making those movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see those fights between Bob Iger and James Cameron. What does that look like? You know? Can we get who James throws the first? Who throws the first coffee mug at the intern? <laughs> or executive just assistant? Remind, you know. That just reminded me of the comedian that I saw a couple years back talking about. Remember Carly Fiorini? Yeah. Carly Fiorina, whatever her name was, um, he said that she is definitely she is definitely thrown a full Starbucks cup at a at a small dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. the Hal the Halasan years of two thousand and sixteen. Oh no! Now we're getting into twenty twenty. It's going to be even worse. Yeah, we can talk about the bleakness of the future. Um, I kind of like talking about the things that are going to distract us from that. <laughs> like this like, podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We yeah, will distract right. you from all the horrible things that are going to happen yeah. this year. A lot yeah, of bad things are going to happen this year. <laughs> you know, just like uh, what's uh, it's like um, it's like a tribe called Quest said. Um, they said that guilty pleasures it. take the edge off reality. Yeah. Um. And our podcast can be your guilty pleasure to take the edge off of your reality. Like, subscribe. Um, leave a review. Leave a review. Uh, what are we even doing, JP? Donate to our Patreon. What know. are we even doing? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a, I'm just a filmmaker. Um, or I used to be. I'm just a, I'm just a lowly pot grower. <laughs> you're, lo- you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're growing the holy herb. Um, <laughs> I am I am planting spiritual seeds in people, uh-huh. um, and uh, Matt is um, protecting teenagers. Yeah, we all have uh-huh. very noble pursuits. That's true. I mean, I'm borderline a, a snake oil salesman, but yeah, well, so am I. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, yeah, but think think about think. I you know what? I, this is actually here's something for us to talk about. Yeah. All three of us are in hopeful professions. Yeah. Professions that look to the future because you're growing things that requires you to look to the future. It requires you to have a positive outlook on the future and to be hopeful, right? The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is nothing but hope. And Matt is there to help protect and, and, and do his role in nurturing the minds that will, that will shape our future. In an area that is really not safe anymore. Or as safe as we as it used to be, right? Yeah. So we're bringing hope and light in our own ways, man. Yeah. That's positive. It is. We are not letting the grimness of the world hold us down. I'm trying. Ultimately, ultimately, we believe in the power, and we believe in the power of the future, as we have talked about in the past. Can I bring something up? 
But you're the you're the moderator. You bring whatever the heck you want up. I'm glad you're. Yeah, I'm glad you've 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 sort of waded into this territory. It's been a long time since we've had like a deep spiritual theological discussion. Thank you. Um, I've been. You know this this new business that I've been I've been helping my family with. It's it's very stressful. Um, and working with family, um, not just working with family, but working with family, running your own business is extremely stressful, especially a business like this because there's a lot of compliance that we have to sort of uh, uh, adhere to, and I'm in charge of that. I'm 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 my my main role is to make sure we don't do anything like illegal, <laughs> on accident. We would never do it on purpose. Uh, but just to make sure, like all of our our T's are crossed, I's are dotted. Um, but you know, it's been it's it's very stressful. I've been extremely stressed out. And um, one day, I just kind of found myself in this sort of state of stress. Uh, I think I was like in a drive-through line or something, and I wasn't listening to any podcasts for once in my life. And all my windows were rolled up, and we were stalled out in this line, and I was still just kind of spinning in my head. And I just closed my eyes and I just stopped. I just kind of focused on my breathing. And I started to think about like meditation. Mm-hmm. And there was just like kind of a very small, just a, just, a, just, a, just a very brief moment where I just like just started to let it all go. Not so much like I didn't care anymore, but like I just didn't let it affect me anymore. And ever since then, I've I've kind of had that sort of attitude, and because of that, I've I've kind of looked into researching like meditation. Um, and it's 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 kind of fascinating to me, and not not so much like the the metaphysical aspects of it, because I don't know how much I, I believe in that, um, but just sort of the scientific, sort of physical, physiological aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it I find the whole practice to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, just from like, like I said, just from like a physiological aspect that you can clear your mind. Yeah. Like I've always heard that term, but I never really like researched or, or looked into what that actually means. And I feel like that moment in that, you know, line, I think I, I finally was able to obtain that for like the first time in my life. <laughs> and, and that's what meditation is. It's, it's clear. It's, it's having a clear mind so that you're only focused on the source of your mind, which is, you know, yourself, right? Yep. And uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, I know we've mentioned, you know, sort of our interest in, in like things like Buddhism, Zen, and meditation, all in this sort of their own ways. What are your thoughts on, on that? Well, you're talking to somebody who has a pretty consistent meditative practice. Yeah. Um, and, um, who now meditates with a group of people every Monday afternoon after school, um, which is facilitated by a Zen Buddhist who teaches here at St. Andrew's school and is also a active worshiper at my church. Um, I did not know that. That's, that's fascinating. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, um, we, uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 I have been, I have been cultivating a meditation practice since the late uh, the late aughts. Um, and, um, I will say if you're looking for stuff to read, I will give the two best sources that I can give you is, uh, the cloud of unknowing, Mm -hmm. which is a, um, Christian, uh, is the first, is the first book ever written in the English language. Um, 
and it is a Christian meditation manual that number of people have noted is extremely similar to Zen Buddhist meditation practice. Fascinating. And, um, um, but it uses a lot of rich Christian language. So like if you're familiar with that, it, it helps introduce it and, you know, so you don't have to get into, you know, trying to understand all the Buddhist concepts. Um, but ultimately they're, they're very similar cause they're the, the, the same kind of idea of, of, um, learning to empty your mind of, of extraneous thoughts and focus on what, you know, is something simple. Yeah. Um, and, um, which is your breathing ultimately. Um, the other thing is, is, um, um, a figure that we talk about off and on in this podcast, which is of course, uh, Mr. Devin Farachi who um, himself has become a Zen Buddhist. And um, he has an article that he wrote on his website, Cinema Sangha, um, that is entitled, On My, on My Meditation Bullshit Again. <laughs> and it is, I've, I've actually handed, I've given it to parishioners who've asked about meditation. I've like, you know, oh, really? read this. Like, keep in mind that there's a bad language in it, but read this. Um, because it's the most concise and straightforward, um, to me it's the most concise and straightforward thing about how to do it um, and how to be graceful with yourself while, while doing the practice. Because the, what happens is, is that you hear, you, you'll read things about like, even the cloud of unknowing can do this, but other manuals will, will tell you, you know, that like, you know, you're, you know, you've got to, you know, sort of discipline your mind and you need to like avoid different thoughts or whatever. But like really in the early stages of, of meditation, you're kind of, you're anchoring yourself, but you're also kind of just letting your mind wander a little bit. And then what you want to do, what you definitely want to avoid, especially in your situation, that if you're meditating as a way to avoid, as a way to sort of let go of stress, yeah. is that you'll, you're going to want to have some kind of a, you know, like a mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be your anchoring phrase. So like when you're, when you're starting to lean towards something that you realize you're starting to kind of worry, you just sort of quietly say that phrase to yourself and it will bring you back. Um, um, and what I've found recently is the, like one of the phrases that I've been using a lot, um, is, um, just the word Alleluia. Oh yeah. Which is, when you, is a very fascinating and, 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 and it's, and, and the reason why is because I've realized like it, it's very weird, but it's like, help me understand like what language is, you know, cause language is just breath, but you just give shape to breath. So that it makes sounds. And you think about Alleluia is just breath with your tongue wiggling. Oh yeah. It's like, uh, I mean like Alleluia. And you just think about how you say that based off of, you know, where you, the breathe in and breathe out is of the syllables and things like that. And it's just, it's a breath. The word Alleluia is just a breath, but it's a breath that's given shape. It's so like, I, you know, it's like sometimes when I'm, when I'm meditating, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the fact that it's, you know, all of language is just taking breath and giving it shape. And so here's this very profound and simple word, but it's meant to be the, like the most profound word of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So these are things that go through my brain when I meditate. How do you, how do you find a mantra? You, uh, yeah, you, well, you can, the cloud of unknowing recommends something simple, one word phrase like love okay, or God. Um, something that you just, you say it as you breathe. Um, you know, you can get complicated with it, but really should be something simple. Um, of course in the, in depending on your Buddhist, or depending on what kind of Buddhism your uh, practice you're looking at, you know, they're just going to say something like Om, right? Just okay. the phrase Om, you know, you say that. So maybe not um, the, the prequels are good. 
I mean, if if that helps you do that. <laughs> From my point of view, <laughs> I don't like sand. <laughs> oh, um, we're, we're doing we're doing an ASMR podcast now. You can hear my mouth move. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. A- ASMR. Ah, I know people find it very reactive. It, it always it makes me cringe. Did you did you ever watch the ASMR bank robbery video I sent you? No, because it makes me so uncomfortable. Oh, dude, it's so funny though. It's hilarious. It makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, uh, what was I gonna say? Meditation. Uh, yeah, meditation. meditation. I was gonna say something. About it. I was gonna say something. Um, crap. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna mantra. I was looking into uh, like guided meditation and stuff just so just to just to get started and um, apparently people are really big fans of this uh, Sam Sam Smith. Oh, Sam Smith, like the music no, musician. Sam Sam Harris. Sam Harris. Okay. Uh, sort of a very famous um, atheist, uh, mm-hmm. but. Uh, also, uh, not 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 afraid to back down from uh, the validity of, of race science. Oh, okay. So I'm like anybody else. Please, <laughs> Does recommend me anybody else. Um, <laughs> um, I'm looking. I'm trying to look up Headspace. I've heard of Headspace. Yeah, I've heard a of lot it. of the students here use Headspace. Yeah, for their for their meditation practice. Um. And um, well, here's here are my recommendations if you want to meditate. Um, I, a really great tool that I have is called the Insight Timer. Yeah. Um, it gives you a chime to get started. You set your time limit, and then it will chime when you're done. Yeah. And start simple. Start ten minutes. Right. Challenge yourself to do ten minutes. If that's too much, five minutes. But ten minutes. Um, I consistently do twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um. The other thing is, is don't worry about, you know, some people take, oh, you have to sit in lotus position and all that kind of stuff. You know, if, if it helps, sure. But the best thing is to be able to be comfortable Mm -hmm. so that you can not focus on your sitting. I see. Yeah. Um, and so like for me, like I, like I've, I've been known to you know sit on a bench or in a pew in a church and be able to do it. But like, you know, I like to, sometimes I pull the kneeler down and I'll sit, I'll put my knees on the kneeler, but my butt still on the pew. Um, but I actually have a, um, I have a, I have a kneeling bench that somebody gave me as a gift that I use, um, for meditation. So it's like this little wooden bench that sits under my thighs. Okay. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, whatever's comfortable. So if it involves, you know, even if it involves laying down, just don't fall asleep. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, sitting in a chair, preferably not like a recliner chair, but like, you know, like a dining chair or something that has like a more straighter back or something to kind of keep you upright. But yeah. Um, and then, yeah, but you know, don't, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna hit like four hours of <laughs> meditation to start. Um, and and if you find yourself really distracted, just stop. Right. Um, That's sort of your kind of be be like kind of your limit. And maybe just try to do more the next day, or I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, I, 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 do, like it's you know it's like working out. If you only do five, just do five. You know. Right. 
And and the thing is, is what I, I mean, I, what I worry about is that if you put it too much into sort of like a workout routine mentality, that it becomes work. Yeah. And I mean, there is work. Meditation is work, but it's not like it shouldn't be a chore. I don't think. Yeah. Like it's a discipline, but not a chore. And, um, you know, and you have to make time for it and, you know, find a time. Like when I was, when I was, I mean, I, I kind of started trying to meditate when I was a teenager. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I, my mom's a morning person and I'm a night person. So like my mom would go to bed and I would be up late at night by myself. And that's when I would do that kind of stuff, you know, and turn the lights off in my bedroom, light some candles and, try to sit on the ground and meditate. And you, so you do it pretty consistently now though? Uh, I mean, definitely once a week, um, yeah. on Mondays, um, with the group, um, every morning I, I say my, I say my morning prayer routine, which involves me going and sitting on a bench. Um, and I, I, you know, I sit for some, you know, a little bit of stillness for about five, 10 minutes when I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since I've broken out the, the, the prayer bench and just sat, um, just, that's because of, you know, one, my own lack of discipline in, in making the time for it, but also my schedule has just been a little bit kind of hectic. Um, have you seen like benefits? Yeah, no, I, I find that when I do, when I do sit for 20 minutes or so that like, I'm in a much more peaceful sort of state. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really care, you know, too much. Like, not like you said, it's not like a carefree. It's not like Peter from the from Office Space, yeah, kind of thing. But it's like a, I'm just a little, I'm I'm less irritable, irritable, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a little bit more willing to be like, ah, you know, we'll we'll deal with it later. Like, there's no big deal. Um, there's almost like a weird, like glow to stuff hmm. afterward that I find. Um, Ooh, that might be a brain tumor, Chuck. I don't... <laughs> uh, there's, you know, it's tra- it's tranquility. I guess is the it's it's that sense of tranquility. Yeah. Um, I do find that I pay attention to things, like and I and I take delight out of like little things. The more I do it, like I love like like you know like dew drops on the on blades of grass in the morning. Like I think that's really fun. Or like the way that like wind blows on the lake here on the campus or, you know, watching birds like, you know, chase each other around. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, I, I take delight in that. And I will say the other thing, the other, the other thing it has done for me, JP is it has definitely made me think about my own, my own physical well being. Okay. And I have in the past, um, in the past like six months or so, significantly well it, it, i've been thinking about it a lot more about a year and a half or so i've been really working at it but really in the past like six six to eight months or so i've significantly cut back on my uh, meat consumption okay as a it, there's just something about like for me i'm just like i don't know i just don't know that i'm like happy with the idea that like violence has to feed me. i see you know the idea that like like I'm really, this is so weird. Like I, I try not to sound like I'm like trying to sell you goop products or something. So I can, like, <laughs> I don't uh, want one of those candles. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, um, no, but I, um, like, like I, I'm so fascinated by beans. 
Yeah. Like be- beans as a protein source, like just fascinates me. Like it's just sort of like they just grow and you cook them <laughs> and you eat them. And like nothing die, like nothing, nothing has to be like murdered. No, there's no machinery. There's no like, I mean, I guess maybe there is industrial farms or whatever, but like, I don't know. It's just like, that's the kind of stuff that like, it's weird. I know it's weird, but I mean, it's you know, you know the best part about all this JP. Yeah. Let me show you what the heck I'm wearing right now. Okay. Standing. He's wearing a black V-neck shirt. Got him. Like. And he's got some burlap. Uh, Ty fisherman pants. Ty fisherman pants. Yeah. Um. Very comfortable for meditation. Um. This is just what I had on under my under my church robes. <laughs> you're, kind of, uh, you're like turning into Tim Robbins from High Fidelity, Ian. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I am not. Uh, um, no, but I, you know, it's it's. Um, I highly recommend it, JP. I think it's cool that you're pursuing it. It is, and it's it's kind of it's taking me down other avenues. I'm looking into minimalism. Hmm. Um. Just kind of decluttering in general. Like I feel like you know, decluttering my mind. I should also be decluttering my life, probably. You know, and that's yeah, something I've always been fascinated. Jump around, around. Yeah. That's something I've always been looked. I've I've looked into. You know, I I started reading that Marie Kondo book like a year ago, and definitely want to live a a less a more organized and less cluttered life. Um, it's hard to do that in my situation because I live with uh, a lot of people. Well, and you know the, uh, you know, when I was in Thailand um, after college, one of the things that blew my mind is so there was a guy there who had met a girl. uh, He was an American uh, missionary. He came and fell in love with this Thai girl um, that was living in the village that we worked at, and he married her. But the agreement that he had with the family is that he would stay and you know for two years with them or something and then she would come back to the States. And so they were, you know, they were a few, they were going to be leaving a few months after we finished up our trip. And he was saying that she had never left her village and she was going to be traveling to Tennessee with him to live in Tennessee. And he said that everything she owned fit in two suitcases. Wow. Everything she owned in two suitcases. And I remember thinking when I learned that, I was like, wow, like, I, I, I kind of wish I could be that person. Um, I mean, I say that as there's like, you know, a shelf of books behind me and, right. and all that. Um, but I remember I, then, you know, I, you know, I went hiking on the Appalachian trail, you know, when we were in college and that was another thing where it was like everything I owned could fit in a backpack. <laughs> like, like really like everything I needed was on my back. Like that's kind of cool to be able to realize that you can actually do this stuff. Um, but no, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's been, uh, interesting and just sort of, like I said, I haven't actually started meditating. I haven't actually started trying to be more minimalist, but the more I sort of look into it, the more I, I learn about, you know, both things. Uh, stop, I, I, just stop looking into it and do it, man. I know it's, it's just, it's hard to, it's, it's very hard to do it. My situation is all I'm saying. Well, yeah. I mean, I imagine where you're at finding time finding quiet time for meditation is probably not easy. It's not. <laughs> I'm kind of like always needed. Um, there's just a lot going on, you know. But if I had my own place, I probably would be able to. But that's what I'm working on. So right. it's a goal. Well, another thing that's helpful is, that I found is helpful is um, 
the rosary. Oh yeah. Like some yeah. kind of beads. Um, because it gives you like, um, there's a very simple prayer that the Eastern Orthodox church uses with their version of the rosary. It's just a rope of knots called, you know, prayer knots. Mm-hmm. Um, and on each one, they just say, um, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me a sinner. And so that's what I use. And I, and I use that as a way to sort of lead into my meditation. Hmm. And that helps me because like my, I have a notoriously, like my brain is always kind of going in different directions. And so that that I found for me allowed me to focus, give me something to focus on. It was tactile and repeatable. And then after a while, once you get into the habit of it, it, you know, it's 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 a lot more doable to the point now where I've been. I, I'll sometimes like walk around on campus and I'll have my hand in my pocket and I'll be praying a rosary and like people can stop and talk to me and I can keep it going even while I'm having a conversation with people. That that feeling you described that you had that like brief moment of like nirvana of like you just you know you weren't really concerned about it Mm -hmm. like that feeling you get when you've had like a really you know even like you get like a it it becomes a more enriched feeling the more you do it i wanted i wanted more of it (laughs) right i mean you're not going to get it every time yeah you know but after a while you do get it kind of more consistently right yeah and you know I, i i made the horrible mistake of going to the Christianity subreddit and just doing a search on should Christians meditate. (laughs) And Chuck, I wish I could, I I should have saved some some of the comments I found. I found some real winners. Like the idea of having a clear mind is just uh, opening yourself up to the devil. I've heard that. (laughs) Um, yeah, the um, the cloud of unknown. It's it fascinating. It, it's so funny to me when Christians say that because it, it it shows a complete lack of awareness of their own tradition as Christians. Because meditation has been a long part of Christian of Christian spiritual discipline. The the desert hermits were doing it. I mean, it you know it's it, it's a well documented thing. I mean, Jesus for crying out loud did it. Yeah, I mean you see it in the Bible. Like he gets he tries to get away from people. Um, to, to sit in stillness. Um, but the cloud of unknowing, what you're doing is that for, for the writer, the unknown writer of the cloud of unknowing is that you're trying to get yourself past all thought so that you can just sort of sit in the feeling of being cosmically loved. Like that's really what it's about is about it. It, it, it says, um, uh, cause it, the, the great line from the cloud of unknowing is he who cannot be grasped, thy not grasped thy knowledge can be apprehended by love. Yeah. And so it's this idea of learning to cultivate that feeling of love toward toward God and learning to sort of sit with the, the acceptance of that love. Just existing and, in love. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that just sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It sounds hippy-dippy. But it's like hippy-dippy. <laughs> sometimes you kind of need hippy-dippy. I don't know. But, dude, it's from the 1100s. Like, for yeah. people to say, like, Christians shouldn't do that. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a very long time. I kind of wonder how these people feel about, like, sleep. Right. The, de- the, de- the devil can get you in your sleep. <laughs> um, another person you might want to read yeah. um, is Thomas Merton. Okay. Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton was a – he's a very interesting guy. He was a writer who sort of floated within the beatnik circles, okay. um, sort of pro, pre-beatnik time. So he's kind of like more contemporary with like William S. Burroughs and these people who were the – who sort of influenced the, the, the beats. Um, he's a poet and writer and 
decided to kind of get he decided to give it all up to become a Cistercian monk um, in Kentucky. And so he um, so he became a Catholic uh, monk and ended up eventually publishing his journal, which is called The Seven Story Mountain, which is sort of his autobiography. And Merton did a lot of um, correspondence with like the beats, like people like Kerouac and others. But he wound up um, he wound up doing a lot of studies on Asian spirituality, and he found a really great connection with Thai Buddhism, like the Thai, like well Zen, but also Thai Buddhism and his own spirituality as a Cistercian um, monk, the Benedictine tradition. <coughs> Sorry. And so he wrote these books about the connections between the two, and he's probably been he's been one of the most influential in resurrecting the discipline of meditation for Christians. You know, he him and another another important writer um, in terms of spirituality is a guy by the name of. Um, um, Howard Thurman, who um, was a major influence on Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, but um, but Thurman's—I don't know that he—I'm not sure that he writes too much about like the actual discipline and practice of his spirituality. Mm-hmm. It's more about the you know his spirituality informs his other stuff. But Merton actually like writes a lot about it, and Merton is um, you know he's a really good he's 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 just a very interesting figure. Um, Seven Story Mountain is really good. I have one of his books around here that I, I pilfered from a library. Um, that's about his his life as a as a monk. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah, but anyway, so um, yeah, just uh, I could keep talking about yeah, it. But yeah, it sounds I think, like there's there's a like a billion different really interesting paths you can go down in researching this. And yeah, but like I said, if you're gonna if you really want, like I said, in my own. In my own experience, the two best things is the cloud of unknowing, which you can get for free on the internet, the public domain book, um, and um, um, Devin Faraci's article. <laughs> Seriously, it's really, it's really, really good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I have to, I have to read that article. And I think I, I have, I think I did uh, stumble upon cloud of unknowing in my sort of researching. Well, and it's also, I mean, at some point at PBA, you should have encountered it because it's. It's a book that I know that um, Athey tries to get everybody to read and right. his fresh comp classes and stuff. So I'm sure someone somewhere made you read it. No, uh, he would. Um, but <laughs> the, the less we the less we say about Palm Beach Atlantic University right now, the better. Oh boy, I need some. I need need a day of meditation for that. Yeah, well, uh, you'll <laughs> like that. Um, my diploma is off the wall and is sitting in the corner with facing the corner. It's taking really? a time out to oh. think about what it's done. Oh jeez. Serious. I'm uh well, you know, I'm di- I, I'm, if, discer- if, I'm, di- I'm discerning I'm discerning to whether or not to return my diploma to them. Yeah. As a as a show of protest. Um if so since you're recording, listeners, if you're wondering what's going on, Palm Beach Atlantic University decided to name Melania Trump as a woman of distinction in a very clear pandery to a political agenda. Um and I you know, and I know that we may have listeners of various political persuasions, and so you know well, everybody's entitled to their opinion or whatever. But it doesn't reflect the student body of PBA. You know, it doesn't. Th- there are people. Yeah, th- there are people who are conservative who are right wing who are probably Trump supporters who go to PBA. But PBA is, I mean, the student body and even some of the faculty. It's very di- very diverse in their uh, beliefs and politics and opinions. 
Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like you know. It, it's. It, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It is pretty much an evangelical school. Um, yeah. But it's not like Liberty University or anything. Right. Which I think a lot of people, you know, in the administration probably really want them to be like Liberty University or, uh, you know, Regent or something. Well, at one point it was founded. <laughs> it was founded to be the um, it was it was something to refer to as as the Liberty of Florida. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely more it's people are trying to take it more of like a Regent direction, really, than a. Yeah, and it's it's just it's not. I mean, if you if you actually like went around talking to people, you'd find just a whole breadth of views, really. Right. You know, and it's just the administration that really wants it to be this sort of very, you know, like I said, region liberty. And but so, even then, so, not not yeah, not even all the administration. Yeah. So it's 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 just it's strange to me. Um, it doesn't to to distinguish. You know, someone so blatantly because of their right wing politics. Um, it's just it's just not reflective of the school I went to, you know. Yeah. A school that right. A school that, you know, of course, had like its big like students and free enterprise hosted chapels and like all this very Republican stuff. Yeah. But then, you know, had Senator Bell Nelson, a Democrat. Right. speak at chapel on at least an annual basis mm-hmm. and held him up as an example of somebody with a robust Christian faith, even though he was a Democrat. Um, you know, it's a school that, yeah, it does have a lot more nuance in its politics than it might appear from the outside. And, and to do this, and it's like, and the thing is, is that this, 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 this award that I understand is limited to two people who may not really be fully part of the university system. It's just sort of like their own thing. Yeah. Um, to me. But it's also, it's also limited to people who live in Palm beach. So you have to be yeah. a resident of Palm beach to be a woman of distinction. Do we have a vetting time period? Because I think Melania <laughs> Trump has been a resident of Palm beach, like all of six minutes. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, you um, know, it just it it it, it just it, it got me thinking, and you know, I, I I'm not I'm you should all know by now I'm not a right wing conservative folk, uh, but there was a time when I was, and it was when I was at PBA. But even then, um, there are we there there were programs that were so focused on caring for your community, and not just. Mm-hmm. Praying for people, not just delivering Bibles, actually caring, like going outside your comfort zone. And like I met so many women who were like babysitting homeless children on the weekends or who spent entire summers in orphanages like for like four years in a row at the same orphanage. Like, right. Like people just, dedicating their entire life to like ending human trafficking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a big one, too. Human trafficking was a big one. Like getting in, involved with IJM, which well, I don't know if we should say that because apparently I think IJM kind of came under some controversy lately. I don't know. I don't know. Um, IJM is the International Justice Mission, um, but yeah, like the, there there was a big sort of very um, spirit of volunteerism and um, like real social justice. Mm-hmm. So it it is it's just, it's just kind of jarring to me whenever I I see like a, a very blatant attempt to like align the school with a certain political view because this is it doesn't reflect my experience it doesn't reflect uh, the student body you know so that's just uh that's just my right opinion and on like, it. and it's one of those things if you know it's one of those things if like 
if like the first lady was like an alumnus, like an alumna yeah. of Palm Beach Atlantic University, like regardless of their political background, like I could kind of see it. Right. Yeah. But this is not, this is like somebody des- clearly desperate for a particular agenda to be kind of, you know, railed through the university. What's telling though, is that if you go to PBA's website under their news tab, there is no mention of it. <laughs> really? Like, um, and, uh, I know like there was an open letter published apparently in the Palm beach post. That's in my thing. I've been trying to figure out like what the response is going to be. Cause I kind of want to do whatever the big response is. Um, the other thing I've been wrestling with is like, you know, I didn't return my diploma over, you know, like their stance on same sex marriage and I didn't, you know, return it over like, you know, a, a range of other things are a little more insidious yeah. that they do there. So like, why is this the thing that makes me want to do it? But it's also kind of like a straw that broke the camel's back piece. Yeah, I mean that's 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 kind of how it normally goes, right? Like you kind of want to um, hold out hope that they they'll eventually make start making the right decision. <laughs> but then yeah, there comes a point where it's just like I can't take it anymore. <laughs> right. Um. But it's like it'd be, it'd be great if I were like <laughs> what I should have done if I was smart. What I should have done is um, every year since I graduated is I should have written a letter, an IOU. <laughs> this is the money I would have given you. Yeah. If you know, you had, you know, if you, if you stopped doing blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, which, you know, I, it, 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 my feeling of like, you know, my feeling on protests and things like this is, you know, is, is an interesting, and this is a whole topic we could talk about on another episode. Cause like, I just think of, you know, it, it just didn't talk about this thing about the fact, you know, there's a Chick-fil-A on campus at PBA and there's all these people very angry at Chick-fil-A and, you know, calling for boycotting of Chick-fil-A and, and all of that. Um, and I've often wondered, and I've talked to some friends of mine about this and they think it might, they, they think it's kind of an interesting idea is like, instead of boycotting Chick-fil-A, if like gay people ate at Chick-fil-A and then mailed copies of their receipts to Dan Cathy mm-hmm. to show like, this is how much money we're spending like that kind of, you know, that kind of sends a message too, right? Like, uh, yeah. I I think of um, there's a uh, in Pensacola, um, you know, which is a notoriously conservative area. Um, Pensacola apparently was like the the last stop of like a of like a certain like train of of gay parades. Um, okay. Like uh, I, I don't I don't know if it was like. I'm not sure like what the whole detail is, but there are like these particular, like there were these like, particular sort of like beach kind of spring break gay festivals or whatever. And um, Pensacola is one of the last ones. Well, a bunch of the fund, fund, fund there up in uh, up in Pensacola college and all that. They, they got all upset and convinced the local governance not to, um, you know, say, you know, we don't want, we don't want them here and we shouldn't, we shouldn't accept any money from them. You know, we don't want their money because, like, that was sort of thing. It's like, oh no, it is a boon to the economy, the local economy. And so the organizers were like, okay, you don't want our money, fine. So they made it cash only. Yeah. And every dollar they received, they had a stamp that said "gay money," and they <laughs> stamped it on every bill. And you know, basically, like, said, okay, well, this isn't your money. You said you didn't want our money. You didn't want the gay money. So we stamped it. It's our money. And there was never a complaint again. <laughs> That's funny. About the gay parade. 
Um, That's super punk rock. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's different ways that we do this stuff, but right, um, yeah, definitely, and and you know, there there is change. I I, I heard, I didn't really look into it because I don't really, I don't really care that much, because uh, I don't really eat there. Uh, but I heard Chick Fil A was sort of changing their stance or something. I don't know. Uh, I, you know what? Outrage. I don't know. Here's what. Here's here's what. You know, it actually makes me more angry. Um. Of course, you're a you know, white straight male talking about my problems with Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, here's the real problem um, is obviously the issue, the gay issue, the, the stuff that Dan Cathy supports is a problem. Yeah. Um, but it hasn't really changed anything. We still have legal gay marriage in this country. Like the changes seem to be happening in spite of his his opinion. Right. Yeah. That's that's something so, like John Stewart was talking about in The Daily Show those years ago when the protests were happening it's like yeah it's gonna like, change like enjoy yeah it's changing anyway <laughs> yeah my my problem my problem with chick-fil-a that i get the thing i get more is that they feel like they're going out of their way to just give a giant middle finger to the environment you get like a styrofoam cup with oh, yeah. a plastic lid they give you the straw whether you want it or not plus then like all the sauces are in single-use plastic plus like if you get um, like a side salad, it's in a plastic container that they sometimes stick like nuts to put on top of it in their own plastic baggie inside a separate bag that has like a plastic sheet oh, on it. Yeah, and if you get uh, deluxe, they they give you a styrofoam box. Like, wh- yeah. what fast food place does that anymore? Like, it's it's kind of unbelievable. But my favorite is is um, some of the local uh, some of the local c- uh, cities and counties have passed you know plastic straw bans. Yeah. So like you get your Chick-fil-A and it's in the styrofoam cup and all that, but it is a paper straw with it. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess art, I guess one could argue the lid is recyclable and the cup is recyclable. Yeah. The straw is not, but I, um, I went to the Amla draft house tonight and apparently their straws are made of plants. It says on the, on the wrapper. Oh, very good. Plant-based plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Com- compostable. Yep. That's awesome. Alamo draft house is a great, yeah, I went there tonight, had a blast, loved it. Was that your first time going to one? No, no. I, I went to one uh, a few years ago with Matt when we went to the Oh, the, that's right. The Dallas uh, Geek Con, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was my first time since then. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. I like, I like going there. You know, I feel like I'm with my people. I'm like in my, my home. Yeah. Uh, had a gyro, or gyro, whatever. And... Uh, they're they're doing the special where like they're serving their their best recipes from through from 2019. I had the uh, bloodiest scene ever milkshake, ooh, which is like rum and strawberry and vanilla ice cream. Ooh, it was good. I think it's a good place to end. <laughs> we've we've had a good discussion. Should should uh, we record an opening thing like hi and welcome to Masters Divinity and all that stuff? Oh no, we didn't do that. No, should we like record that so you can stick it to the front? Um, nah. and make it obviously fake. Like, hi and welcome to Masters <laughs> of Divinity. Nah, uh, who cares? I don't care. Okay, I, don't, I don't care really either. We're, we're we're I feel like we're in a stage in the podcast where we want to make some like changes to the format, and it's like well, we want a format. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> we have a format. It's it's conversational format. <laughs> that's true. But I I like the idea that you're talking about. You know, like it's having like segments and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's where we can like make sure that we always have sort of like a deep theological thing. Right. Exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. To keep us on uh, on topic, um, or on on brand. I don't know. Um, but uh, so yeah, we're, we're in kind of a limbo. So I, I don't really. Whatever. We don't do the intro. You know who we are. One hundred plus episodes. Yeah. At this point, you have. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing the intro anymore. Let's let's be honest. Why are you doing the intro to begin with? I don't know. I don't know. There's because no I don't, way I don't you know how to start like, things. Trip and fall into our podcast. You actually have to like seek us out. Like you've either seen the logo and the name, and you already know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Or someone's told you what it was, and you're looking for it. So really, <laughs> the intro doesn't make any sense. Oh, not at all. I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I mean, I think intros are just fun to do. They are fun. Uh, I do it because I don't know how to begin things <laughs> or end things. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's 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 end it there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, bye. Uh, thank you so much, Father Chuck, uh, for being here and 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 talking to me and our listeners. You know, I'm I'm welcome. Uh, you're welcome. I'm welcome. You're welcome. Um, as always, JP, I love being on the show. I love. I love our conversation. I like talking about meditation. That was fun. Yeah, we should uh, maybe talk about it some more in the future. And uh... we should do a meditation episode. You just uh, turn on in silence for an hour. Great. We should do a Masters of Divinity guided meditation. All right. So uh, once again, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, uh, check out our Patreon. Um, we still have one Patreon going strong. Uh, I just want to give. Mike, a shout out for continuing to support us. Yeah, uh, that, even in our that. very recent uh, infrequency, uh, I promise you, we're we're trying to figure something out to where we can be more frequent like we used to be. Uh, we're, we'll get there. We just got to figure out a schedule. <laughs> yes, our lives are changing. Uh, life is getting harder as we grow older, especially as our children grow older. I can imagine. As we add new children to our houses, that's, too. That's right. Because, <laughs> listeners, the Browning household is having another child. That's number uh, Trace, number three. Wow. Wow. You see, <laughs> there's, there's like a blank emotion on your face as you say <laughs> I was just disappointed. It's, it's funny because it, we're, we're, we're well into the second trimester. So, like, the whole, like, yeah. we're having another baby. Like, it's past. It's like. It's past. Like the, the the newness is past. For and us. the fact that it's also you, the third all, one, it's all like the, it's our listeners. It's like oh, magic, just a baby. <laughs> and the fact that it's also the third one, it's already like it, it passes pretty quickly. I'm sure, right? Like yeah, and it's just like I don't care. Like <laughs> it's like oh that you know, I'll just sort of like she'll be delivering, and I'll just be like oh that that's happening. Okay, well yeah, you're just gonna carry this one in a backpack, right? Like yeah, I'll just come home one day and I'm like oh there's another one. Okay, <laughs> give it skittles or something. I don't know. Yeah, like it'll, it'll send for yourself. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching and listening. Join us again next time. Good journey. Good journey.